what we can control. I feel very grateful to all of you, by the way, and to all the hundreds of people who listen in, because when you discover a matmon, when you discover a hidden treasure in the Torah, the ability to be able to immediately share it with people is, is amazing. It's terrible to sit on a discovery and have nobody to talk to about it. And the fact that, uh, that you're here so, so immediately enables me to, to share with you things that are life-changing. Like today's Matmon is almost if this is the only thing that, that you know, if you know nothing else in the world about anything except this that we're going to learn today, that's enough to have a successful life. The, um, I struggled as a young, as a young person, as a, as a teenager, and later on in the early years in yeshiva, I struggled, as everybody does, with the whole issue of Bechira and Yediyah. Does Hashem know what I'm going to do? Have I got free choice in what I'm going to do? The, the age-old question of, um, of free choice versus uh, predetermination what are the boundaries, what are the principles involved is something that obviously I struggle with as, as every, everybody else does. Um, and the, the, the clearest approach that I've used ever since uh, was given to me by Viktor Frankl, not, not even by any of the Bali Musa. Uh, Viktor Frankl, as you know, developed his whole theory of logotherapy during his period in the concentration camps uh, and became an amazing therapist and, and psychiatrist. Uh, he was the only member of his family who survived the concentration camps, and he survived the concentration camps. He told us in a lecture, in a, in a course that I did with him uh, in the 1970s, uh, the, the way that he survived was with this principle of understanding Yedi and Bechir. Now, he didn't use these words, and he didn't answer the question in that way. That wasn't his issue. But in the principle that he developed and on which he based the whole of, of logotherapy, um, was the answer to the to the how, how do you deal with this paradox of, of Yedi and Bechir? Um, and he said, as he's now more famously known to have said, uh, how he dealt with the concentration camps was well, you have no control over circumstance. What happens to you is not in your control. All you can control is your attitude to circumstance. That you are entirely control of. Whether it rains or it doesn't rain, you can't control. But how what attitude you take to the rain? That's in, that's in your control, and so with everything in life. So the, the, the predetermination is in circumstance, and the free will is an attitude, and the attitude is what's going to make the difference. Two people in the same circumstance are going to come out with completely different lives because of the attitude they take towards the circumstance in which they are. Uh, Remotel Paganansky was one of the great Iluyim, the great geniuses and Sadikim of the pre-war generation, and he actually survived the war. He lived for a while in Switzerland um, and, and died there. He's buried in Benebrach now. But the, um, and, and my father was very close to him. We used to hear a lot about Remotel Pegamansky. In one period, he was in Vienna. He was ill and, and was in hospital. And he was told by the doctors that he mustn't, he mustn't learn. He's got to keep his mind relaxed. And that frustrated him no end. So he put the word out that he's uh, open to any of the intellectuals of Vienna to come and talk to him. And what he did with them, and they loved the opportunity, and what they did, he did with them, he said, tell me your, any theory you want in your sphere. So the physicists came and chemists came and psychiatrists came and philosophers came and historians came. They all came to talk with him, all these academics. He said, tell me anything in your field and I'll show you that if it's true, I'll show it to you in the Gemara. 
And if it's untrue, I'll tell you why it's untrue. And that was the game that went around Vienna that he was available in his, in his sick bed to play that, that game. So here, I'll, I'll show you why what Viktor Frankl said is so true and where the source of it is and, and, uh, and the mechanics of it, how it actually works. It starts with the Posek and Dvorim. And now, Yisrael, what does God ask of you? What do you have control over? And this is so relevant to the times we're living in. What do you have control over? You can't predict anything. You can't control anything. What can you control? All you can do is have Yerushimai. You can control your attitude. Are you going to approach circumstance with Yerushimai? with awareness and awe of Hashem's presence, are you going to live in the presence of Hashem or not? To serve Hashem in every way. And the, and the Mephoshim explained, the Rishonim say that, that he's not giving you a long laundry list. It's still one thing I'm asking. Because if you get that right, then you will go in his way and you'll walk in his way and you'll serve him and you'll do all that. Then the rest comes automatically. I'm asking you to do one thing. That's the only thing I'm asking you to do. Now, the obvious thing when you learn that posuk, the, the obvious question is, firstly, really, is that really the only thing? And secondly, and is that so simple? How many people manage to do that? How many people manage to live their lives in Yirat Hashem to the extent that everything else flows naturally? Is that such an easy thing? Luckily, that's what our Gemara asks. Everything is Bidei Shemaim, except the one thing, and that's Yirat Shemaim. And we spend our entire lives trying to control that which is not in our control, because nothing is in our control, except Yirat Shemaim. Are you implying that it's such a simple thing to have Yirat Shemaim? Asks the Gemara, such a, a key question on the possible. Yes, the Gemara says, for Moshe, it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. It was quite easy to have Yerushimah. Now, bring in the, in the notes the various parallel sugyas that, that, that Tosfus deals with, uh, which you can look at if you, if you, if you wish. But go down to the, to the bottom where you've got the, the Tosfus, um, So Tosfus asks, how can you say that? We learn in Ksubis that that everything is B'day Shemayim except cold and flu. It doesn't say Corona. Mm. But cold and flu is, bide, is, is in your own control. You can, you can avoid it. It's a different, different Gemara. Answers Tosfus, there are two different areas, and both of them are dealt with in separate sugyas. The, so the one sugya, our sugya here in Megillah, is dealing with Toldota Adam, human characteristics, human traits. As far as your traits are concerned, your level of intelligence, rich or poor, strong or weak, everything is predetermined. Whether you're going to have flat feet and you can't dance in the Royal School of Ballet, nothing you can do about it. That you can do about it. Tosfus brings the the pasuk which I which I quote from Yirmiyahu. Let a clever person not brag about his smarts. Let a strong person not brag about his strength. Let a rich person not brag about his wealth. 
only thing you can be proud of is you've learned how to know me. You understand me. That's what's important. That's important because that you can control. That's yours. And then back to Tosfus. And the other area is in circumstance. When it comes to traits and circumstance, Hashem determines. That's also all Bidei Shemaim. Except in catching colds, perish hakor v'achom. And then again, Tosfus asks a few other questions that, that, the, that catching cold is something you can avoid, Tosfus explains, at least when you're home. When you're traveling, sometimes you can't avoid it. You can't control the temperatures, you can't control the climate. But when you're at home, you can. And, uh, and, and we can do what we need to do to stay with consistent temperatures and we can take care of our of that aspect of our health. That's the, um, the Gomorrah and the Tosvus that we need. The next question is, is an obvious question, and it's so interesting that people don't often ask it. Okay, so we've said, yes, for Moshe, it's Miltezutrita. It's an easy thing for Moshe. We acknowledge for everybody else it's not so easy. So what is Moshe? So who's Moshe speaking to himself, or is he speaking to everybody else? This is his, his talk. We talked, we talked about Moshe's last shear from Rosh Chodesh, Shvat until Zion Adar, Moshe gives his last talk to the Bnei Yisrael. He's talking to them and he's saying to them, Hashem's asking one thing from you. And we're saying, is that one thing so easy? We're saying, yes, for Moshe it's easy. But, but surely you've, you've got to be concerned about what, how easy or difficult it is for the people you're addressing, for the audience. And that's the question that the Ran asks in his 10th drosha. The Ran writes these series of, of droshas. The, uh, the Ran was... was uh, Born, he lived in Spain, 14th century, became a very, very powerful influence on, on thinking both in Halakha and Ashkafa. And he struggled like anything. His Talmud, the Rivosh, the writes in the Chuvin, Tafmem Zion, how it, the Ran used to struggle to give Musa to his community because this was the beginning of the um, uh, people converting to, to Christianity, people. It, it was so attractive. They made it so attractive. To, to be a Christian. Don't forget, in those days, it, in those days, there was no reform or conservative. You couldn't be a chiloni. You were a Jew or a Christian. If you didn't keep Shabbos, you're a Christian. If you don't come to Daven and put on Tzvidin, you're a Christian. You don't have mezuzah on your door. You're a Christian. You're not a chiloni. There was no such thing as chiloni. Until a couple of hundred years ago, there was no such thing as a chiloni. You're either Jewish or you're non-Jewish. And for many people, it just was so difficult to be religious, to be observant that they gave up their observance. That means they became Christians. It's not that they get up and said, I am now giving up and I'm believing in Yosh. That's not the essence. They just gave up the Yiddish card and the Meda. They were Christians. And the run started fighting against that. And the Rivosh writes in Tafmem Zion how the Kehillahs gave him a terrible time. It's, a, it's like a friend of mine in Los Angeles, a wonderful Rov. One of his first years then in, in his Kehillah gave a, a talk at, uh, on Shabbos Tshuva about, he gave, gave the Kehillahs some well-deserved Musa. And the committee came to see him at Shabbos and said, Rabbi, teach us Torah, don't tell us how to live. Don't interfere in our lives. Um, and that's that separation of Torah and, and, and life. And already in Spain, the Rivosh says, that's what they said to the Rans. Stop giving us Musa, teach us Torah, don't, don't give us Musa, don't interfere in our lives. They gave him a really hard time. And the droshes of the Ran are some of those drashot, those sermons that he gave at that time uh, to, to influence the people. And he asks the question, An intelligent person doesn't assume that because it's easy for me, it's easy for you as well. If I'm the world record bodybuilder and I say, you know what, it's just easy to, it's easy to pick up 90 pounds and to do 50 
50 goes with it. Easy. Yeah, easy for you, not easy for anybody else. Surely Moshe Rabbeinu knows that. And the run answers with, uh, with an, an incredibly important principle, and that is that there are two forces in the human being. And all that we've got to do is choose between the, the, those two forces. If It's not just two forces, it's two worlds in which you can live. If you're living in the world of Torah values, then Yerushalayim is so clear and obvious. It's not, that's not a big choice. Once you're living in the world of Torah values, that becomes something that's obvious. It's as obvious, Yerushalayim is as obvious if you're living in the world of Torah values as gravity is in the physical world. So you're not going to jump out of the 50th floor, floor window. Why not? Because you know what will happen to you if you do. That's Yerushalayim. You're not going to do an Avera because you know what will happen to you if you do. If you're living in the world of Torah and of Torah values, Yerushalayim is easy. That's what Moshe means. Your only choice is what world you want to live in. You want to live in the secular world? then Yerushalayim is very difficult because it goes against everything that you're experiencing around you. It says the run, there are three reasons, and I've numbered them to make it easier. There are three reasons why it's more natural to choose to be in the physical world, to live in the physical world. The one is because the attraction to the physical world is physical, and the attraction to the spiritual world is spiritual. It's just easy to follow the physical than the spiritual. The second is that the Physical world is obvious and visible. The spiritual world is not obvious and it's not visible. Easier to follow the obvious. And the third thing is because as a little child, you start off with, the, with physical. You need to eat, you need to sleep. It, it's later on that you get an appreciation of spiritual things. By then, you're already into habits. Habits have already formed and the habits are physical habits. So it's easier. It's not because, because Yerushalayim is so difficult. It's just to decide the only decision you've really got to make is what world do you want to live in? Do you want to live in the world of Torah values or do you want to live in the world of randomness and physicality and believe that everything's just random and it just happens and, and so be it and that's how it is. Do you want to live in that? Because those are the only two worlds to live in. Either in the world of Hashkacha, believe I'm in the world that is governed by Hashem and controlled by Hashem, and I know what to do in that world, and I live in a world where Torah is at the center of my life, where Torah is my priority, it's my, it's my starting point, it's the lens through which I look at the world, then Yerushalayim is as clear as anything, easy. If you choose to live in the world where you look at the world through the eyes of, of, of the New York Times or the Jerusalem Post or whatever it is, or through just through science, just through physicality. Those things are all important. They all play a part. But what is your lens? Is the lens that you're looking at the world a lens of physical causality or a lens of spiritual causality? What do you believe is, is the initiator of events? What do you believe is the controller of circumstance? What do you believe is the, is the guide of the world? Is it science and randomness? Or is it the Rebbeinu Shalom and Torah? That's the only choice you have to make as an individual because everything else flows from that. There's no other choice to make. Once that's clear, everything else, is, everything else flows. It's easy. And that's what we need to be working on ourselves. If, we, if we're interested in, in personal development from a spiritual sense, if we want to develop on the Shamot, that's what we need to know. One choice. What world do you want to live in? What world do you actually live in? Through what lens are you, are, you seeing the, are you seeing the world? And that's why this limud that we do every morning is so very important, because it starts off the day with a Torah lens. And if one can take that through the day and just, just see the world through the Torah lens, even to see it through the particular Torah we've learned that day, what a difference that that's going to make to the, to the world around us, because that's our only choice. 
There's only one thing we have to choose. Do we want to live in the world of, of a, a God-centered, Torah-centered world of values, or do we want to live in a godless world of randomness and, and physicality? And it doesn't help just, just because we keep the mitzvot, that doesn't mean we've made that choice. We can keep the mitzvot in a very transactional, physical way, and we haven't made that transformation yet. The transformation is how we see the world, how we envisage the world, how we respond and relate to the world. That's the, that's the decision we have to make. That's the choice we have to make. And we have to make it every day. It's not a choice that you make once in your life and then it's done. Every day one has to recommit to that choice. How, how am I choosing to live my life today? Through the lens of the Torah or through the lens of the physical world?